Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. Church. Enjoy the message. Hey, it's great to be with you here today on a Sunday morning, and uh, just so so blessed to be in a, a place that really reminds me of New York City, really similar, really familiar. But it's uh, it's wonderful, honestly, to see trees. How good are trees and grass? And praise God for nature. But now I've I've been in New York City for ten years. My wife and I planted a church in New York City in 2013. We started from scratch, five people in a living room. And uh, I see one of our members, actually, Suyash. Give us a wave, Suyash. Amazing uh, lawyer and friend. Your family's in North Carolina, right? So give it up for Suyash, all the way from New York City. Good to see you, man. And uh, yeah, so, so we're, we're there in New York, and we started with five people in our living room. We thought a whole team would come with us from Sydney, Australia, where I'm originally from. And, uh, you know, you think you guys are Southerners? I'm from the deep south, Sydney, Australia, the true south. But, <laughs> but we, uh, we planted there, sold everything we had. We had a six-month-old six baby, moved to New York City. Only people we knew were my, my sister and brother-in-law. And we started a dinner party that first Wednesday when we arrived in a cold February uh, 2013. And again, we thought we'd have a, a team of people that would join us. And my, my idea, my blueprint for the church was like, going to start worship services. We'll, we'll put some signs out. We'll invite some people and we'll, we'll start this, this thing and, and people will come. And, uh, but we didn't have a team, so we didn't have anything. So we, we had to rethink our plan, but it was really in God's heart that we did because we, we had this word in our heart, dinner parties. So we didn't want to call them connect groups or cell groups or small groups. And we just said, we can invite New York City locals and, and people to dinner parties. And that's exactly what we would do. We would, we would spend the morning circling our blocks in Brooklyn, just praying for the neighborhood, praying for apartments and praying for divine connections and having, praying for boldness for us that we would be led to those moments. And sure enough, one by one, we started inviting people to dinner party. That group of people grew from five to 60 in our apartment. Our neighbors thought we were crazy running a rave party every Wednesday night. They were like, what's going on? And, but it was amazing, just great food, great fun, sharing the life of, of Jesus with people people getting saved, just really raw, it's like people off the street in our house. So it was my, my wife's the real hero, inviting total strangers in a foreign city with no family support, with a six-month-old baby. So yeah, send her some love. She's amazing. Uh, one, one dinner party, uh, this girl was wearing some pretty high stilettos and stepped on our son's hand as he was crawling through the dinner party. So fun stories like that, you know. They don't teach you that at, at Bible college, how to deal with stilettos through your son's hand. But we, uh, um, we it didn't go all the way through. You guys are freaking out, but it, <laughs> he's okay. 
Um, but amazing, amazing story of God's grace. But what I learned through the process of the last 10 years and now by God's grace, as Pastor Michael said, we've been able to plant in Paris and Berlin and God's doing incredible work there. We've trained up and sent out other church leaders and we get the responsibility and the privilege of overseeing these three cities and these three plants. But I've, I've learned a, a little bit about the fact that the church's capacity is really centered around each individual's revelation of the love of God for themselves. You can have the biggest building, you can have the best conference, you can have great worship, but at the end of the day, what is the revelation of God's love in your heart? What is the size of God's love when you think about God's love for you? It's out of that place that the church is built that we can actually love and reach Hickory and reach this region for Jesus Christ. And so that's where we want to land here today in this great series called Make Room. I want to thank Pastor Brooke and Pastor Michael for having me here. Already the first two services, so beautiful. I'm falling in love with Soma Church. Would you give it up for your leaders and honor them? They're amazing pastors and leaders. And I'm so excited for next Sunday for Vision Sunday and all God's going to do. Uh, I might fly down for it just to be there because it's not going to be online, so I can be in the room. But no, we love you guys, and we're so blessed to be here. Two key scriptures for you to write down here today, Isaiah 54, 1 to 3, and Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. These are two passages that we'll kind of park in and uh, pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us something about his love and his heart for us. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that we're in the room, that you made room for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Do something that only you can do. Do something in people's hearts that is greater than my words and not based on the eloquence of a message, but rather the power of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Ephesians 3 says this. This is a prayer from Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And Paul has experienced this love in a pretty crazy way. So before we read the scripture, let's just think about where this scripture is coming from. This is the guy that's imprisoning Christians, followers of Christ. This is the guy that's literally putting people to death for their faith. And yet God calls him not only to be accepted into his love, but God calls him and says, I want you to be my messenger, my apostle, my ambassador for the gospel. I want you to actually be a leader and influence this whole region for for God, for his glory. So he goes from a murderer of, of followers of Christ to now a leader of Christ's movement in this time. So if there's anyone that has kind of a revelation of someone making room for someone you wouldn't think would be accepted, it's Paul. And so it's from this place that we read this scripture, which says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you, Soma Church, with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And underline that, think about that in your own time. What you trust 
makes a home in your heart. So be careful who you trust and what you trust. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. I want you to underline those four things. Those are the four dimensions of God's love that I want to challenge you in today. Another version in ESV says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants to fill us with his love. And what does he fill us with? His love is his Holy Spirit. So Jesus had to come to, come to earth, die for our sins, defeat sin and death so that we could receive his Holy Spirit because holy means set apart. That spirit could not reside in unholy people because of our separation from God as, as many of us realize because we've said yes to Jesus. But that that grace now covers us, forgives us, sets us free so we can receive His Holy Spirit. But sometimes we miss these four dimensions in our life and we aren't able to be filled with the fullness of God because the room in our heart is too small. Our revelation, our concept, our understanding of the love of God is too small for God it's too small for his love. And so therefore it does not reflect or express the love that is coming out of our, our, our mouth. We're talking about God loves you and God forgives you and, and nothing can separate you from the love of God. All things work together for good for those that love God according to your purpose. We have these scriptures, we have these things. But really if we're to measure the space in our heart, if love was a room, how big is it? If we were to right now take the measuring stick of heaven and bring out, welcome in the master architect, Jesus, the, the one that has the blueprint for the church and the blueprint for the universe, the, the star breather, the one that, that, that spans all the galaxies bigger than we could even comprehend. And he comes into our heart and he begins to measure. I wonder what the breadth would be like in your life. I wonder what, what that width of, of grace and acceptance that you have for yourself and for others. I wonder what the length of this room would be like. I wonder what the height, I wonder what the depth is. See, God's love is not one-dimensional as so many of the loves in this world are. They're very transactional. You, you do this for me, then I'll love you in a certain way. God's love is totally different to that. It is has so much more to it, so much more depth, so much more expanse to it. And so Paul here prays for the church. He knows that if the church in Ephesus doesn't get a bigger revelation, then the fullness of God cannot fill them to a certain place that they could actually love those that are outside of their concept of loving. Remember, this is the time when it's not just the Jewish people that are being saved and set free and now following Christ and following the way. Now we have the Gentiles that are being welcomed into the family of God, which was always God's plan. But this was very challenging culturally. I think because we are so used to 
hearing the, the message of grace, we forget how radical it was when, when Peter was given a vision that, that unclean things were now covered, meaning Gentiles were actually welcomed into the family of God. It's actually from that revelation where Peter's mind was blown that we are actually accepted and we're in church today. That through one man's revelation, then he had the courage to begin to accept the Gentiles. But even Peter began to pull back and Paul had to rebuke Peter for his, his room, that the concept of God's love began to shrink and he needed Paul to go, hey, Peter, remember the vision that God gave you that this love is for the Gentiles as well. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 54, we see that this theme of God's love and the, the, the stretching and the expanse and the acceptance of God's people has not just been a New Testament thing. This is, this is an Old Testament thing that God wanted to bless a particular nation and through that nation would come his love so that all would see that he, as a God, the only one true God is the true God and that people would see the love that the Israelites had for each other. And so Isaiah 54 says this, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, uh, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge. Can everyone say enlarge? Come on, everyone say enlarge. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Enlarge, stretch. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Fascinating scripture because the Israelites at this point of receiving this word from God are actually in exile and captivity under Babylonian rule. And they're feeling a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. They're feeling a lot of disconnection from God. They're, they're very, very uncomfortable they are, their tribe has been weakened, their numbers are dwindling, and they don't have much influence or power at all. And yet God begins to speak to them in this passage as if they were a divorced woman that didn't yet bear children. It's quite a strong cultural statement from God to actually speak in this way, and the Israelites would have understood what he meant because that's exactly how they felt. That type of person in that type of way in that particular culture would have been isolated, lonely, kind of looked upon as if something is wrong with her. And yet God shows up and says, hey, I want you to sing, which is a sign of joy. I want you to sing before you have the child. I want you to lift a song before you have the promise. I want you to sing and see breakthrough before you actually have what you think God's going to give you. Sing before you have the child. Not only sing before you have the child, I want you to actually prepare a place, not for one child, but for nations. Man, God frustrates me sometimes. I just want one child and he wants a nation. Abraham just wanted a child, but God wanted many nations. God does this constantly. You're, you're praying for a job, but that's going to create an inheritance for your kids. You're, you're praying for someone to marry, but God sees great-grandchildren. He, he's thinking far bigger, far wider, far, far further than you can. He's making room 
in your life for something far greater than just one child. And so he says, I, I don't want you just to sing. I want you to actually begin to prepare. See, preparation is the sign of faith. Preparation is a sign that you understand God's love. When we procrastinate or we don't actually prepare space in our life, when we don't action things in our life until we see it. Oh, well, I'll start giving when I get the job. I'll start being a blessing when I have enough time. But God is saying, no, begin to prepare now. Begin to live like you have nations. Begin to, to live like you already have the child and the child will come. That is faith, my friend. And so we, if we're talking about making room, we need to begin to make room right now where we're at. Maybe it's just your neighbor. Maybe it's just a friend across the road. Make room for them and let God expand the revelation of God's love. The first thing he says in this passage in this particular verse, is enlarge. This is all about getting a bigger perspective, to, to get a bigger vision. Right now, how big is your vision? How big is your room? How big is your love for others? Would you let God today expand and enlarge your vision, not just for a child, but for a nation? The second thing he says is to stretch. I believe this word stretch speaks to consistency. If you're stretching out a tent with your, with your friends, you gotta, you got to pull on it long enough to get it all the way out so that you can actually build the tent. There'd be no point just kind of letting it be crumpled on the ground and try to figure out which, where the poles go, where the ropes go. No, you got to stretch the vision. You've actually got to stay consistent. Sorry about your guitar pedal, Dan. And, and you got to stretch. you got to actually pull it consistently. What, what does that mean? It means that we don't just show up one week to love, we show up every week. We're asking God, keep me consistent in my love. And when I'm inconsistent, give me the, the humility to say sorry, to apologize, to come back to that place where we can be consistent. See, man, loving stretches. Man, it stretches your, 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 your inners. It, it just stretches your revelation. It stretches your patience. It, it, it just, it hurts. It hurts. I, 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 you know, I love to do some running and whatever, but I don't really love stretching before and after. I'd rather just get into it. But man, I, I got to stretch so I'm prepared for that. And the same is true for your love. You, you need moments where you're stretching, where your, your, your commitment, your perseverance, your consistency is being tested. Don't stop stretching. That is such an important process if we're going to enlarge the place of our heart to have the fullness of God's love dwelling inside of us for this city. The third thing he says is lengthen. This is all about going the extra mile in encouragement. And what I say to our church is communication. See, he's talking about lengthening ropes. And so often we get disconnected because we're not consistent in our, our communication. Oh yeah, they, they know I love them. But when's the last time you text them and actually told them, hey, I love you, I appreciate you. I want to encourage you. I see this on your life. I see purpose. When you have that kind of culture in a church like Soma and you actually lengthen that, that and you don't assume communication, don't assume that Pastor Michael and Pastor Brooke feel encouraged. Don't assume that the person across the room feels encouraged. Lengthen your communication and encourage one another and you'll find that the, the size of your love expands and people start to feel just so encouraged because you actually communicated it. Many times we just, we think it. 
We have a thought, but we don't follow through with the communication. I want to encourage us to be people that don't just think something nice, but actually say it, speak it out, and that'll create strength in, as you lengthen your cords. The fourth thing that God tells them to do is strengthen. He says, put stakes in the ground. There's no use stretching the, getting a vision for the tent, stretching the tent, getting the ropes ready, unless you have something to hold it in place. Man, COVID had, a, had an effect on all of us, I know, but many people didn't have stakes in the ground and we got blown away and we really saw where our faith was. This is a season to remember that and therefore strengthening your stakes. What does that mean? It means we have pre-decisions, predetermined, strong doctrine, strong theology, strong foundations so that when the winds come again, and they will come in different ways, all sorts of times, storms will come, but guess what? We will remain strong. Yeah, the tent will flex and it will move, but I have stakes in the ground. For me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Better is one day in his course than a thousand elsewhere. Nothing can separate us from his love. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I don't have the mind of the flesh, but I have the mind of the spirit. You have strong stakes in the ground. It's great to have a vision. It's great to, to love people. It's great. But are you a fair weather friend or are you going to stick it through to see this region reach through the vision of Soma Church? Be someone that can be relied upon. Someone that has strong stakes and strong convictions. Don't be in and out. Be strong in the house of God. Be strong in your small group. Be strong. Someone that someone can rely on in Jesus' name. Paul understood this. And he's He's stretching their vision. He's, he's going, guys, there's div there is division in the church. There, there is backfighting and there's, there, it, we're not representing the love of Christ. So I need to pray that you would have the power to understand and comprehend the love of God. And so he gives these four dimensions. The first one is breadth. And I want you to look at these four dimensions from two places. Firstly, for yourself. In order to actually have breadth and width for other people, you have to first accept it for yourself. And many times we go out to try and love the world, but we haven't really settled the reality that I first am accepted in God's love. Maybe we, we, we did feel that because we were doing well in our walk, but then we made a mistake and we feel like, am I still accepted? We know conceptually, we know theologically, but the reality of that trust and that faith that no, I am accepted. See, the breadth speaks of his grace, that no one is outside of his love. People that are outside of your love that you don't really get along with, that don't really fit into this room, God loves them. The people you disagree with, the, the person that ripped you off, the, the enemy, the, the people that we don't really like, the people that offended us, guess what? God loves them. And it's not your love that he's asking you to love them with. It's his love. So you've got to open yourself up to a different kind of love. He's not saying you forgive them in your own strength. You forgive them in his strength. I know that they did that by, I know that they ripped you off. I know all that stuff. But I'm telling you, it's not your love that he's asking for. It's his love through you. And that is all the difference. But you first have to accept that I belong. See, the breadth of God's love heals something deep in your heart 
that will not happen from, from anywhere else. Every human heart wants to belong. So the breadth of God's love, I believe, as I've studied this, is that it recovers our belonging. There's something that gets really settled in our heart where we're not trying to fit in. We're not trying to kind of prove ourselves. We, we know that we know I belong because I'm inside God's love. And that changes the way that you relate to others. It changes the way that you actually now have a width in your love. Many people's love in the Christian walk is so narrow. You're like, okay, you step into this denomination or you step, or they share something about this story or they look this way, they smell this way, they say this, whatever it is. And sometimes it's even with our own spouse. You pretend to love your wife, but you don't quite love her on that certain day because she disagreed with you. And it's, it's real. Like we, we, we get really good at pretending to love, but really in our heart, we're growing cold towards someone that's even close to us. And God wants to expand so that we are people of breadth. It's so nice to be around someone that you just don't feel judged by. Amen. No one wants to be at a dinner and you're like, wow, this was a great dinner. I just feel condemned. That's praise God. That, that is so nice. You're not going back to that dinner. So why would we treat people in that way? And it's not just what you say. It's a spirit. You can sense. They may not say explicitly, I judge you, but you feel judged. To me, that's, there's something narrow in our love when we're giving off that vibe. So God wants to expand. It doesn't mean that we're justifying every situation in their life, every decision, whatever they're going through. No, but man, you wouldn't want to be treated differently either. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're not loved. You are accepted in the breadth of God's love. The second thing that Paul talks about is the length of God's love. Not only is God's love wide, it's long. What does this speak of? It speaks of God's patience towards you. Man, if God was, if God had my patience, I'd be, I'd be done. <laughs> the amount of times God hasn't said something He's just allowed me space. The, the, the amount of times God has given me another chance, another chance. He's asked me to do something and I, I'm not quick in my obedience. And yet he just keeps giving me another chance. Amazing, amazing length. But if we don't understand how patient God is with us, we're going to be impatient with others. I, I remember, this is way back, early days of the church plant. And, and I'm... I'm all in my head just trying to figure out how to get this thing out of the ground and I'm kind of acting like you know acting like I've got to save the city in a day and it's a silly thought but that's kind of how I was approaching it and so we're we're in the subway we got a stroller for our six-month-old baby and up and down the stairs subways crowded there's people all around you know New Yorkers amazing beautiful people but they can be in your face and, and it's just intense. And I'm here, don't really know anyone. And I'm just getting frustrated. I'm, I can sense impatience in my heart. And I'm actually even like kind of getting a bit disgusted by things and just a, a bit short with Georgie, my wife, and short in different situations. And it really came to a head this day because subways packed. I'm carrying this stroller up, felt like 20 different flights of stairs, trying to trying to just make, make life happen. 
And this lady pushes in front of me and kind of elbows me, and I almost dropped the stroller. I lost it. <laughs> I go off at a, a lady that's older than me in, in the subway, and Georgie's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And, and I'm like, she's like, we're, we're starting a church here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. And I'm just so annoyed. And I realize, wow, the length of my love is too short. Now I can have a grand vision. Oh, I'm going to plant a church. I'm going to, I'm going to love the city. But I, could, I didn't have the length in my spirit. You know, really what it is, how long is your fuse? Some of our fuse is so short, we just fire off at our kids. We fire off at our wife. We fire off at our colleagues. Bam, 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 bam. That's the length of your love. What frustrates you then to then justify shouting, being short, being impatient, and go, well, they did this, and it's everyone else's fault. No, God's saying, I want, I want to give you a revelation of how long I am with you. See, patience is not the ability to wait. Patience is who you are while you wait. If, if I'm waiting in that TSA line, praise God. <laughs> and there's someone that's never left the house before in front of me. They've never flown on a flight and they got canteens of soup and fluids and don't, they don't know to, you know, it's just all happening. And I'm like, my flight's boarding. Man, that's gonna really test the length of God's love. Can anyone testify to that? But man, God is so patient with you. Maybe we need to stop and just think about how patient He is. And that might begin to expand that part of the room. Some of our rooms, they may be wide, but they're short. You step over a line and bam, it's, there's no more room. God wants to lengthen that part of our life. The third thing that Paul so eloquently unfolds for the church and for you and I is the height of God's love. Just stunning. Not only is it wide, not only is it long, but man, you look up in God's love and you can't find a ceiling. His love is so high. You, you can't see the end of it. But not only is it high, Colossians 3 says this, since you have been raised to new life. Stunning. With Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. First, you need to see where Jesus is, how high He is, to understand how high His love is. This, is, this changed my life. Not only how glorious He is, how high He is, but watch this. He then seats me next to Him. What kind of God is this? Not only am I accepted and I belong, not only is He patient with me, but He says, hey, this is how high I am, but I want you seated next to me. The level of privilege, 
the level of authority that I can reign and rule over sickness and death. I can be victorious over sin. I am victorious over every situation and circumstance. We no longer look at our problems as if we're in them. We actually look at our problem from being in a seated position of authority down a bird's eye view because we don't try to get through circumstances to prove our worth. We already know our worth. But in, in order to actually receive that, it's going to take you letting go of some insecurity, some feelings of unworthiness, that things that were spoken over you even as a child, that devalued who you are, that you're made in the image of God, that you are made to reflect His glory. You need to let go of some of those things. Why? Because you are seated in heavenly places. But not only that, you are now called to actually call other people into that. But you can't call someone into that seat unless you're seated. You have to take your rightful place and understand the height of God's love in order to actually elevate people. But you find it all the time. Isn't it true? In Australia, they call it tall poppy syndrome, which basically means when someone succeeds, we try and cut them down. But humans suffer from this all the time. Why? Because we aren't elevated in our own thinking about the value that we have in God's sight. So therefore, we have to cut everyone down to our size. We backbite, we gossip. Oh, did you hear, he got the, he got the job? Yeah, but do you know how? We, we, we pull people down rather than elevating. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it so cool that God's blessing his life? That's an elevated royal kind of speech, amen? That's, let's be that kind of church. So let's be people that elevate people and give them a position. Now, the only way that we do that is we also understand the depth of God's love. Not only is Christ seated in heavenly places, but He's a God that came down from that height and He came down. And Paul says, I want you to also understand the depth of His love. He didn't stay in that seat. He came down and put human flesh on and not only did He put human flesh on, He got on His knees in John 13, took off His outer garments and began to wash the feet of the disciples, which was a job of a slave and a servant. This is the creator of all things, but He could go to that level of depth to set us free because He knew the height of God's love. He knew that seat was reserved for Him. And even if He left it to then come and sacrifice and surrender His life for your and my freedom, he could do that and He could take off title. He could take off position. And that's exactly how we're gonna reach this area. It's how we're gonna reach New York, Paris and Berlin. It's not just knowing the height, but that we, we'd be, we would be servant of all. That we would actually go to the depth of helping people understand who they are. See, the depth of God's love solves this problem. It's an identity issue. Most people in church, historically, from my experience, have been in church for my whole life, all 25 years. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've been in church my whole life and what I've noticed in my own life and other people's lives that I've counseled and pastored that most of us serve to get identity. That's why people get burnt out in church because we're doing it to find out who we are rather than doing it from the place of already knowing who we are. So if I don't get acknowledgement on Sunday for serving or no one mentions my small group, I'm, I'm offended because I'm doing it for identity. But when you understand the depth of God's love, you can do whatever is needed with no, act, no, 
no accolades, no praise, no one, because you know that God sees it and you know who you are in Christ in the depth of His love. Jesus puts it this way through the Apostle Paul. He says that we need to understand that our life is hidden. Colossians 3, 3 to 4 says, For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. What is he talking about? He's talking about the depths of where God went, where Jesus actually died to self. You have to die to self to discover who you are in Christ. You will never know who you are until you partake in His sufferings. You'll never know who you are until you stop avoiding the pain and you embrace it and then you'll know the height. You've got to know the depth in order to know who you are. And if you know who you are, now you can tell a generation around you, this is who you are. You'll be bold, you'll be secure because you know the depth of God's love. So let me leave you church with this question. How big is your room? If love was a room in your heart, how big is it? What's the dimensions? Would you let the master builder, the master architect take out his measuring tape right now in this moment and let you know by his Holy Spirit, hey, I, I need you to work on this area. One of these dimensions needs, it needs expanding, if not all of them in my life. Can anyone testify to that today that maybe there's one dimension that they need or all of them, amen. As we unfold this word this week, as you maybe think about it, I want you to think about God stretching you. When you find moments where you're, you're short, God, lengthen, lengthen my love. When you find that you're in your circumstance and you're, you're, you're not really seeing your problem with a bird's eye view, would you begin to meditate on the height of God's love? When you start serving from a place of trying to get identity, would you remember the depth of His love? If you feel like you don't belong and no one cares, would you remember the grace and the breadth of His love? With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this love right now. I came, for, came from New York City for this moment that someone in here today would receive Christ or come back to Christ. That you would know that you're not outside God's love. No matter what you did this week or what you did 10 years ago, the thing that you're still carrying shame and guilt about today, you can be set free because His love is far grander, far more wonderful and beautiful and magnificent than you could ever imagine. And no one in this room is outside God's love, but you have to accept it. You have to say yes to it. And I can't do that for you. And God is such a gentleman that He says, I stand at the door and knock. Meaning there is a room in your heart that belongs to Him, but He doesn't force His way in. If you want God to expand this room, you need to say yes to the knock. And right now He's knocking on people's hearts. If you want this love and you wanna let Jesus in, say, come into this room, be my Lord and Savior. Would you slip your hand up and say, Josh, that's me today. He's knocking, amen, amen. Who else is there today? Amen. Don't miss this opportunity, amen. Don't, don't leave him on the outside, amen. Who else is there? Say yes to His love. You may be, 
even following God for 40 years, but you know that somehow you've kind of just pushed Him out because of hurt, because of disappointment, because of your own mistakes or things that have happened to you. Today, let Him back in. Lift your hand and say, Josh, I'm letting Him back in all the way. Amen. Oh, come on, this is your moment. Humble yourself before God and know the, the height, the depth, the width, the length of His love. Praise God. So many hands going up today. Is there anyone else saying He's knocking? Amen. Amen. This is your moment. Amen. No longer playing games, but actually letting Him in all the way. He loves you so much. You don't need to let anything else into the center of your heart. Just Jesus. He will do, he will do the rest. He's knocking. He's knocking. God, we let you in. Thank you, Lord, for these lives that are letting you in even now. Praise God. You can look this way. So many people saying yes to God, yes to His love, and I know He's going to do something powerful. And so before we move on, I want to pray for these, these people, and we want to pray together as a family. So would you stand your feet together? We're going to say a prayer together, and then we're going to worship. And I believe as we worship and speak the name of Jesus that God's going to share revelation by His Holy Spirit to expand your heart. Before we give Him all the glory for what's happening, would you close your eyes and say these words as a family together, particularly those that lifted their hand. Let's say this all together out loud, nice and strong. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Son. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, defeating death and sin so that I might have new life. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart for this to be true. Now I receive the fullness of God by your Holy Spirit. Help me follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Can everyone say amen? Let's give God some praise for all those hands that said yes to Jesus. Praise God. He is awesome. God is good. I love doing this in our church, and I hope you'd allow me this privilege of asking you right now to lift both hands, and I want you to stretch them out as if God's stretching wide your heart. So do it as a physical sign of what's happening in your heart. Come on, think about the, the breadth as you raise your hands. Watch out for the person's face next to you. Lift them high. God, right now, we thank you for a revelation of the four dimensions of your love. Oh God, expand to the left and the right. Lord, we repent and we're sorry for having small-mindedness, small love. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful group of people that are going to change North Carolina for the name of Jesus and the glory of your name. We thank you today, Lord, that this church would be known not just for filling large spaces, but having large love. We thank you, Father, right now, expand the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of each heart. Lord, we give you permission. We give you just total permission to shape us, to make us disciples and learners of your love so we might go out into this world and love those that are closest to us and those that are far from us in Jesus' name. If you believe it, give God some praise. He's so good. Come on. I love you so much, church. You're amazing.